0: Hello and welcome to the Premier League show from the Gallant Few podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and I will be your host this week uh, in a national break. So they're trying out the the B team in the host chair. Joining me just to make sure things don't go too awry is Jamie Royals. How are you, my friend?
1: Thank you very much for having me call back on, Colin. Um, as ever, as you said, it's international week. I absolutely hate these weeks. I always just feel like it's just so long in between game weeks. Um, but yeah, the podcast allows me to at least keep it alive a little bit So thanks for having me back on
0: Yep, and if I'm the interim manager I'm trying to get my star man on side It's Johnny, that new intro was for you Did I get a thumbs up or a thumbs down?
2: That was outstanding mate <laughs> Absolutely outstanding I said done a fist bump Well done, it's great to be back on gentlemen uh, I don't mind International Week But I suppose this week will be a wee bit boring Since we're qualified with ease We don't have to worry about it anymore
0: <laughs> uh, I actually thought you were saying we as in England, and I forgot that Scotland are, are no longer pish. Um, but there we go. Um, so into the the weekend's fixtures, and there's only one place to start. That's of course Stamford Bridge, an eight goal thriller. Um, some early calls for game of the season so far. Um, I think people were maybe saying that about him a couple of Chelsea's games over the last few weeks Um, Johnny I'll come to you first I know you've got a bit of horse in this race Um, it was a terrific game end to end wasn't it?
2: Yeah excellent entertainment um, I've had a couple of games like that in the last couple of weeks Um, but it it was up there it was two teams who for one night forgot how to defend I think would be fair um, but they certainly knew how to put the ball away. I actually said on the last minute, last week when I was talking to Jamie about it, because he had asked my thoughts on this week, and I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea get something, because the, the bigger teams have been struggling to put them away. Uh, whether you want to class that as game-raising or them finding their feet, I guess it depends on who you ask. But, I mean, it's a good point. you got City, whether you're home or away, it's always going to be a good point. Um but no, it was just it was it was chaos, mate. Absolute chaos. And I was delighted to see Jackson get back in the goals. Ever since Jamie Jinkston, he's been running riot. So hopefully he puts the boot in again tonight and we can move on.
0: Jamie, we've spoke a lot about Chelsea's forward line and the £400 billion that they've uh, spent on what, 100 players. But Cole Palmer, I am going to continue buying that drum. Um, I think he's fantastic. Obviously, he raised the game again against his old club. Nicholas Jackson finding form as well. Um, I suppose that the question is with that is how long does that last for this season? But just looking at Chelsea's last few results, um, Good win against Spurs also obviously helped by uh, Spurs going gung-ho with two men on the park. Good point against Arsenal. They were good. They battled Wentford for 60 minutes and then collapsed the last 30 minutes. But Chelsea are in a decent run of form. And I think um, that they're getting goals, which they struggled with at the start of the season.
1: Yeah, I think it's two things. I think, one, I think the, the mentality shifted at Chelsea. Um, I don't necessarily mean in the fans, I mean in the players. I think if you go back to the Tottenham game, Because it was at Tottenham Stadium, nobody expected Chelsea to get anything from that game. So, you know, not the breaks were off, but the expectations were so low that they could actually play a bit more free. Nobody expected them to get anything against City, realistically, unless you were Johnny. You know, obviously that little bit of glimmer of hope. And I think you've seen actually how well Chelsea have been playing. Um, I think it's no surprise as well that Cole, Cole Palmer is part of the conversation. People have been talking, obviously, how well medicine has been as a as a as a bargain signing. There's something about this lad Palmer that just doesn't go away. I really like how he plays. He's so direct. He's he, he wants to get involved in everything. Um, he's he was arguably one of the best players on the pitch. Um, you know, in terms of his forward play, in terms of his link-up play, and I think it frees up people like Sterling and Jackson. Um, I think massively impressed with how they gritted down against Chelsea sorry, against Tottenham and Stockata. I think they I think they earned the bigger point um against City because I don't think a lot, lot of people gave them half a chance. Um and I think if you know we go back a couple of weeks, I think we said, Johnny, didn't we, that their next six games would pretty much define the season. Um I think they've got some real tricky stretches coming up. They don't get much trickier than Tottenham away and, and you know and City at home as your first two. And they've come through that with four points. If you were Liverpool, if you were Man U, if you were City, going into those games, you would you would say if I could get four points for them, I would bite your hand off. It. So um, a big big round of applause for Chelsea. I think they've been brilliant. Um, definitely Cole Palmer. I would also probably give a wee mention it to to, to Conor Gallagher. Um, I think he goes unheard of in that midfield. You've got one hundred and fifteen million Casados and one hundred and five million Enzo Fernandez. Um, the lads, the you know, um, he's, he's he's actually wearing the armband at times. I think he's I think he's quickly becoming, and I and I mean this in a positive way, but I know just who he's got a giggle. He's he's quickly becoming Chelsea's Jordan Henderson. And what I mean by that is like nobody expects anything from him. He's British. He gets stuck into the task. He's obviously trusted by the manager, and he does a job. I um, think Conor Gallagher's doing really really well in that midfield, and I think he's arguably one of the reasons why they have started to settle. So yeah. Well done, Chelsea,
0: Johnny. I, I've spoken the last uh, few pods about Portugal not having to get time and build something from that year, and I think you make a really good point. Or, you know, it's it's one thing raising your games for the for the, you know, Man City and arsenals coming into town. But I do think you are starting to see the information what what can be done. So Jamie's mentioned about Conor Gallagher there. I do think there's a real, real player in Enzo. Um, my, my only criticism is he's, well, he struggles to play 90. That's been the last few games. He's been hooked off at 60, or 70 minutes. Um, uh, Jamie's right. Palmer and Jackson do get the headlines. But as uh, more positives when the further back you look. I think
2: things are coming together. Uh, definitely. I do think there's going to be blips in the road, like you said, with Brentford. I think that is still a worry. Whereas you'll see some games, um, what they've done last week, uh, and then they've done again at the weekend there against top quality. And then they play Brentford, and I mean, like you said, they were excellent for the first hour and they were dominating, but that killer kind of touch wasn't there. And that's happened. In, it's not just one game that's happened, and that's happened in quite a few. Um, but I do think it will come together. And I also agree, I said the same as you, I think, Poch. They have to give them time. It's going to take time to build that as a very young squad. And there's a lot of new players and a lot of new faces that need time to gel. That doesn't happen overnight. They had a really um, unlucky period of injuries, which is slowly coming back, which is only going to give them more depth. And I think they have a lot of depth in the middle of the park to cover Enzo um, if the engine does tick. I agree on Gallagher, Jamie. I like Conor Gallagher. I thought when he went to Paris, he was excellent. Granted, they played a wee bit further up the pitch, but um, I think it is coming together, mate. I think the further we go on, the more we're going to see. They do have tricky fixtures still coming up, so it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate there.
0: Nah, I'm interested on the fixtures. Newcastle away, Brighton at home man, away, then Everton away. Um, it's a tough start to December. Yeah. Um, Jamie on Man City. So Johnny mentioned um, at the start that it was two two teams just refusing to defend on um, on Sunday night. Um, I I don't know if I'm clutching a wee bit here, but I think City have certainly become a wee bit more suspect at the back over the last last few weeks. Um, I think the goals they concede are quite silly at times, and I don't know if I'm just raising holding them to a higher standard because of Man City and you know probably the best team in the planet over the last 12 months um, do am I being too harsh do they escape criticism
1: what do you think I think I think it's twofold um, I think it's all about the approach when it comes to City um, I think there was a period of, I think it was about four or five games recently where they actually didn't keep a clean sheet so it wasn't surprising that they didn't keep a clean sheet again at the weekend I think what you do see is that the teams that take three points off City they're not snatching grabs. You know, we'll come to the Tottenham game, for example, and, you know, how Wolves kind of turn that round. It's not games like that. It's actually teams actually going direct at them with the wingers, with the fast pace. You look at Wolves earlier in the season. Uh, I think back to the times Liverpool were, you know, put, taking three points off It's because we've got right at them. They don't like it when they come at you, but I think it takes a brave man to take that, Tactic, you know, if you if you play that attacker against City, you could either win and take three points off them, or you could lose eight <laughs> nil. And uh, I think this was just one of those games where both sets of teams just kind of lost the plot and just, just went at them. Um, my argument probably would be for City's backline; it's constant rotation. Um, they've got so many good defenders in there. Akanji's come onto a game. John Stones is always injured at the moment. They're, they're trying to embed the new boy, Gvadiol. You've also got uh, Nathan Ake and you've got um, Ruben Diaz. Arguably four players that would walk into 90% of the Premier League teams, um, uh, you know, in a defensive formation. It's never always the same three, though, is it? And that's before I started even adding Kyle Walker, for example. Do you know what I mean? They, there's always this constant rotation. Um, and I think. I think the weekend was just sloppy. I'd Sorry, I, the, the game against City, I think tactics were gone. I would probably more call it how they got through the midfield. Um, you know, we, we said last season, probably, arguably one of the best players of the season, um, was Rodri, I don't think he's played half as good as he was last season. He's always been as effective. Granted, he was out injured for a couple, but you're starting to see... You're starting to see um, gaps where, for example, De Bruyne would have... De Bruyne would never have let that game get to 4-4. He would have grabbed the team and kind of, you know, managed it out. I don't see any players like that on the park for them. They've got a lot of great talent, but I don't see anyone grabbing them and pulling them apart around and saying, right, you hold the line kind of thing. I don't see that at all. Um, You look at last season, Gundogan, Rodri, the season before that, David Silva was arguing, you know... It just seems to be lacking that focal point of a leader, would be my argument. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was down to the defenders. I would say it was probably just more management of the game itself or the team.
0: What do you think in their points, Johnny? Just um, on the, you know, and I know it's only a small margin over the last six games, but over the last six games, City have conceded the most out of the top six. Um, and back to Jamie's point about, No, keeping regular clean sheets I think there's quite a few things that add to that there Constant rotation um, Obviously some big players from last season No, there But also I don't know These teams are eventually going to click How they play against you And if it is Just go and go toe for toe Hope for the best Maybe that's it What do you think?
2: I think that was the case at the weekend Um, I think it was just two teams Sometimes it happens And just went head to head I mean there was some There was a lot of defensive Of with both teams you know the one for Diaz to make it four four was criminal, um, and that's not like him. Uh, he is a composed defender. They give him his due, but I don't know, mate. I don't. We're only what we're only a quarter of the way into the season. I think they've conceded. There's only Liverpool and Arsenal that have conceded less than Man City over the course. Um, so they're sitting third in that ratio, but they're also sitting top of the league, mm-hmm. um, and the ratio was about. Three for one, you know, for every three goals they concede one. I don't think that's a bad ratio on the grand scale. So uh, I think it's probably just uh, maybe a small cluster of games. I think City's probably one of the most dynamic teams. And I don't know why saying that, but I think they are. Um, and they proved that last season, but what they've done. Um, I mean, they decimated Europe domestic, you know, they the were outstanding. And you have to be dynamic to do that. So I don't, I don't think... Well, they we can take more goals, possibly. Possibly. But I don't think over the course it's going to be an issue. I think they're still going to be the team to be comfortable.
0: So, staying at the top end of the league again, there was a wee bit of shock, as we mentioned on Saturday morning. And, Jamie, I'll, I'll come to you. Um, we've gave Spurs plenty of praise on this podcast so far this season, rightly so. Um, they go 1 0 up in three minutes, and you, you called it a couple of minutes or a snatch and grab by Wolves. Um, was this, I don't know, was this coming after last week? Um, maybe Spurs lacking in a wee bit of depth? Maybe
1: just to keep the momentum up? I think this was more coming for Wolves. Wolves have been wrongly hoshed um in the last few games with uh, dodgy penalties given against them referees apologizing for instance and gary Neal obviously had a dig didn't he about the refereeing standards he was due a when he was due three points and i don't think he cared how it happened it just so happened he was top against uh, a radically changed uh tottenham team um Right at the blocks, um, I, I was chatting to Johnny before it, um, and we were talking about the games. We we're talking about FPL, and I, I remember saying to him about half an hour before the deadline, I wouldn't fancy, I would, I wouldn't rule out a wee punt on the boy Johnson actually doing something, because Rich Olsen's now out. Um, you've got obviously Madison out. He's gonna get a run of games, and lo and behold, in the first few minutes, he obviously gets on the end of a, a cross from Pedro Porro and makes it one nil. So. Uh, I'm sitting there with a big smile on my face thinking, here we go. Called it right. But there was just something about the game, Spurs, Spurs' killer instinct. I just didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. Son didn't really have a great game. Um he, you know, they, they were lacking that creativity in the middle of the park. And and Johnson's very much the runner. He's not gonna be a Madison where he can come deep, take the ball and run on. He's looking for the ball in behind. Um Kulisevsky's very similar to that. So it was like they had a plan A, but they didn't have a plan B. And the plan B should have been get the second goal, kill the game off. It never came to fruition. Um, I would probably say take about Pablo Sarabia, but also take about Gary O'Neill, because I think he deserved that. It was his subs that made the difference. Um, you know, Sarabia, is pedigree is second to none. You know some of the teams he's played for, some of the the, the titles he's won. The fact, the thought, the fact he's even at Wolves is surprising at the best of times. But he's not a starter. So, to, so to come on and then kind of win in the way he did, um, I was very chuffed for them. Um, I thought Lamina was brilliant all game. I think he did really well, well in that midfield. The what the one person I probably never give any credit to. I th- he's becoming one of those housery kind of players where he's always on the floor. And that's the boy up front, Matthias Cunha. Doesn't get many goals, but he's always involved in every instance. But he was brilliant at the weekend in terms of being dogged and getting in about that that dodgy tech, uh, Tottenham defence because the defenders roll over the place at sometimes Eric Dier. Um So... Yeah, I, th- I think this was more about... I think the headlines will be Tottenham are going to struggle with their injuries, but I think this was more about Wolves managing to get three points um, and turning it around. And, I, you know, what a goal to do it with. Uh, that, to take the ball on the left foot and then rifle it in, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what uh, for one of the goals of the season.
0: Just stating where were was in, Johnny, I'll, I'll be honest, um, they were good at the weekend. I've not been too impressed with them this season. I've put in the agenda that... Uh, a meh season because I don't think they've got to be in trouble. I don't think they've got to set the header. there like um credit where credit's due that like they have done well on particularly the second half in on Saturday. Uh, do you see them channeling this or is this maybe kind of what we we're saying about Chelsea turning up for the big games? Um how do you see how do you see Wills this season?
2: Um I mean, I came them they the start of the season. I put my hands up. Uh, I thought they were going to have a hard time. Uh, mate, I wasn't convinced by O'Neill, uh, the the appointment, and there seems to be a lot of issues in the background, or at least there did. So I'm I'm quite surprised the at the way they've been playing. Um, even for the start, was it Man United, I think, they played first, um, and they were I pretty good?
1: remember there was yeah. the penalty of Yonana head punch that never got given.
2: Nah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that was another one they should have had. Um, so I agree with Jamie that for the few weeks where they've had this absolutely criminal decision squad games, really, really bad. Um, and it, the weekend there, I thought they were excellent. They deserved the win. I know they left it late, and I mean, going forward uh, for ninety minutes, I've never seen ninety minutes of deliveries into the ball that bad in my life. It was awful. Um, but then, from ninety on, the something just clicked. I agree with the boy, uh, Sariba, that was such a quality goal. Can they do it long term as a longevity? The, they do look a lot more, a lot better than I expected, I suppose would be a simple way to put it. And that's been quite consistent through the course of the season. They are playing well, they're making good chances, they, 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 were, they were cutting open Tottenham over and over and over again, just lacking that final ball. I mean, it was a depleted Tottenham. I mean, let's be honest, it was a very, very weak Tottenham side. You only have to look at the bench that Tottenham h- could only really afford to put out. And I think there's about half of them, I don't know. Uh,
0: Just on that point, Johnny, that was what I asked you about Tottenham then. Um, it, it's been no, no secret that we know Tottenham 1-11. They're a very good team, and the way they're set up, they will go and kill teams off. But the question's always been, like, how did they handle that over the course of the season? Are they going to struggle between now and the January transfer window? With if there's a lot of football we play, there's a couple of injuries.
2: Yeah, I, I would. I'd say it's a red flag, definitely, mate. Um, the game against Chelsea, I think it was. I'm forgetting. I think it's five. Five first team they lost in that game. Granted, two of them were, were suspension, three were injury, two of them were long-term injuries. Um, but even then, that's that's a huge blow to take. And they do not have quality of depth, Tottenham. They do have a far better starting 11, more balanced even with losing Kane. But once they start losing players, it's definitely a problem. We've seen it. We've seen it at the weekend. It was a huge problem. They just After that first goal went in, they went completely flat. Uh so uh, I think it's a red flag, definitely, mate. I think there'll be three of the five that went out in the Chelsea game or due back, which should help. But, I mean, Mad- I think it's Madison and uh, the Van Duven? They're the ones that are long term. Uh, yeah, I think Madison's the biggest. Madison's the biggest loss for them. He is the creative spark. Uh, he creates pretty much everything that we're doing through the middle of the park. And then you get a January too. without that. Yeah, they don't have a lot of cover and the quality of depth and cover, it's that's bit similar to Newcastle. Uh, I mean, it's okay, it's, but it's the same players that struggled to perform at the previous time and couldn't get a game there either. And that's what's being used as backup. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I do rate Ange as a coach, but I think he's uh, going to ask a lot of questions now, how he deals with it going forward. I think that would be the best way to put it. Jamie, did
0: they go out and buy um, MD of not in January? Um, January, traditionally a slow window. Daniel Levy, traditionally a cowboy. Um, I, I don't see it myself. Um, and I think if, if they don't, I, I think Tottenham will find it hard to, to challenge for a league with a core of
1: 15, 16 players. I think there'll be somebody coming in. I don't think it'll be a big ticket name where they go and spend 30, 40 million. Um, I think, if anything, this will probably be an Ange signing. I I don't, for one minute, believe that James Madison was an Ange pick because he would have been touted about the whole of England in terms of all the big clubs in England would have had a look at him to some extent. And what they probably would have said is that, you know, if you come in, there's a possibility we could get James Madison. Would you like him? I don't think he would have been... Um, Right up there, that, you know, I think Ange, if I look back to his Celtic days, he, he does a lot of his business in foreign markets and tries to get the best out of value. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do something like that for him. Like, the, you know, maybe he's had somebody, he's got an iron, maybe a 10 million deal in, player in Europe that he wants to bring in and try and, you know, fit into that system. I, I just taught them just don't traditionally go out and spend that kind of money. Um, Obviously, the James Madison one was really good. Um but he's now injured for a few months. So, uh, you know, I think they have the same problem. They went out and spent £60 million on a star that they think they could turn better. And they run the risk of obviously pulling an injury or something. You forget, they spent £60 million on Mitch Olsen. They pretty much don't have him for the majority of the season now. So I, ju- I just don't see it. I think, they will, I think they will add depth. I just don't think it will be the depth that the fans will be looking at you Know the big ticket names. Um, I do think they've got the lad back, um, who's been missing for a few months, Benica. He's very, very key to their central midfield. Um, I think he's way better than, than what the, the boys saw as, And I think as long as he gets himself back alongside Basuma, um, the problem is with Basuma, you're always walking a yellow card with him. So, I, again, I think they will add to the squad. I just don't think it'll be big ticket names that. That the Premier League is used to seeing. I think it'll be more inch of, you know, two or three signings that he's had his eye on for a couple of years.
2: Daniel Levy's going to love that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that'll that be the reason why he brought him in, though, isn't it? Because he'll have that relationship with him. But From, from what we know of previous, pre- previous discussions, is Daniel Levy's very much a, you know, if I buy a player, you can have the next player and, and they kind of trade it off. Do you know what I mean? I think uh, I think the last time he went with a manager's decision was when he brought in uh, Conte's Kulisevsky and Benico from uh, Juventus. They had a six-month loan deal. They were brilliant for six months. They gave them contracts and now they've been for the best part missing since it. So I think Daniel Levy's very weary of spending all that kind of money on a big-ticket name. So I'd be very surprised but I do think they'll add just because as you said the depth the one thing they don't have though was European football you know so it's you know it's, it's and that will go in their favour yeah yes. that
0: um, on to European football then the next um, next talking point I want to talk about a group of games uh, well the, the teams playing in Europe and challenging for that fourth spot or the Europa League spot so we had Aston Villa Winning convincingly, uh, three-one at home. A film, shock result. Bournemouth beating Newcastle 2 0 and then Man U scraping by one 0 over. Litton. So, John' I uh, suppose the question I want to get both your thoughts on is: who's overachieving, who's underachieving, and do they um, do they maintain it for the rest of the season between Villa, Newcastle, and Man U? Um, nobody's really spoke too much about Villa as top four contenders, but is that unfair?
2: I suppose it is. I mean, they've done well last season. Um, They've got a really good gaffer. It is a big challenge for these clubs, especially when they're new to European, at least. It's been a long time. I think uh, Newcastle and Brighton are finding that out the hard way. They've been (laughs) juggling injuries over the uh, the course of the season and European football and domestic all adds up. I mean Newcastle being absolutely hammered, but so can they do both? Can they, I mean? I'll be honest. I think Newcastle are probably going to be going out soon anyway. So I think their their fixture list will, uh, you know, get a wee bit lighter. Villa and Brighton. Can of expect them to go quite far in the Europa? Um, I t- say one thing for them. This is probably a wee bit, uh, a bit bold, but I think Villa have one of the better squads all of it. I do. Uh, when you when you look out on paper, I mean, granted they've been quite kind of injuries, and that's a big part of it. You need a huge slice of luck with that. Uh, if you have, you don't get that luck, you're going to suffer domestically or in any kind of cup. And uh, Newcastle right now don't have it, right? and. It probably looks to the weekend to see. Maybe it wasn't that much of a shock when you look at what they had out. Because I really think Newcastle struggle with quality of depth. They do have depth, but it's nowhere near the first team. It's a huge step off. And I don't think Villa are like that. Villa have really good cover. So I think they might be I think might be the one to surprise us more. Because with Man United get key injuries, we've seen it before, they absolutely struggle. Um I don't think there's a huge lot between them, Conor, I'll be honest with you. I really don't. I don't think there's a huge amount between them. They're all going to have a tough time. I think it'll come down to who gets the luck with the break, who gets the breaks with I think that's going to be a huge factor.
1: I think one of the big things is Villa have got goals in them all over the park. Sorry. You look at the weekend, You know, McGinn getting in the goals again. I think David Luiz has got like four or five goals this season already. They've got goals in the, in the right-back, Cash. He, he's had a couple this season. That's before you get to Watkins, Bailey and Diaby. They've got goals all over the team. Um, I think I think that was Aston Villa's 13th home win in a row, um, which is a record for them as well, which is no mean feat um, to win 13 on the bounce like that. I mean, you go back to last season and one of their best players can't even touch the team. Remember the lad, Jacob Ramsey? Up and coming youngster, twenty one years old, box to box midfield getting into the goals. He kind of get a game at the moment because everybody's fit, as Johnny said. They're all fit they're all
2: firing, except him. He's injured.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but then you've got Yuri um, Teilmans. He he came off. He started the game at the weekend, so they've got they've got really good depth. Um, I think Villa compared to um, Newcastle got a lot of injuries, but the two main injuries are obviously Callum Wilson and Isak. Relying on Anthony Gordon playing to lead the line, which is always going to be a challenge. Um, you take Watkins out of Villa, for example. You've you've still got Diaby, you've still got Leon Bailey. You've, they, they, I think even the lads at the beginning of the season was his Duran. I think he had a couple of goals coming off the bench, didn't he? So I think there's big key differences and how the injuries are playing out um, between Villa and Newcastle, for for example.
2: John, oh,
1: here you go. Sorry.
2: No, mate. Please, please continue. No, aye. So when you spoke
0: about like the squad, I, I think it's probably fair to say that Newcastle and Man you have more, you know, quote unquote, superstar type players um, than Aston Villa. But there is definitely more of a unity around Aston Villa. They're, they're less sporadic than the other two. And but to to back up Jamie's point, I like only Man City have scored more goals than them in the league this season. So, with Villa, you know they're going to be strong at home. You know they're going to get goals as well. Um, suppose with the other two, Man U and Newcastle, um, I think you're right. I, I think Newcastle are going to bomb at European football altogether. Um, I fancy them picking up more points consistently than Man U. Um, I still think... Mind you, unless something radical happens, then we're always Got to be saying that Ten Hag is just a couple of results away from the chop. And I don't think you can really build, build any success for that position.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I, I briefly mentioned this, we touched on it last week. I, th- I don't think Man United are not, uh, you know, they're not scattergun kind of bored. I think they're going to give him as much time as they can. Plus, it would be a ridiculous payoff as well if they punted them. Um, but the the squad thing, uh, I just think Villa do have that. If you look at across the board, maybe the first, say maybe twenty players, they they have an extra nine competent players that can come in. I can't. I don't. I don't think you can say that for Man United. I don't think you can say that for Newcastle, um, and you can't say that for Brighton either. So. With, with Villa, I feel like you can. With the, um, Man United, they seem to be a club that if they lose, like you said, they have superstars. But when they lose a superstar, like for example, they've lost Casemiro just now. And they'll look completely flat the weekend, granted they scraped something. But we've had it before, when they lose uh, Varane, they absolutely struggle. Uh, they, they always toil when they lose one of those players. Uh, they shouldn't. They should be able to have you know the, the enough quality. They've had the time. You get the quality, in. and I think you can say that for most of them. But with Newcastle, I think you have to be a little bit kinder because that is a horrific injury list. It really is bad, um, and they don't have a lot of depth of quality. Newcastle, I think a lot of the players there are raising their game, um, but they've got so many injuries. I don't know how many of them are long term. I know some of them are, but. I think we're going to, it's gonna be a tough time for Newcastle unless he starts to get players but
0: Jamie moving on further than official list Um you know, we, we touched on Brian there, drawing one each with Sheffield. Um West Ham three forest two, um just stacking in the in the kind of European themed uh, teams. Um West Ham, they. And they needed went... that three
1: points, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. They really did. Um, I think they'd lost three games before this one, three I... Premier League games or something.
0: Yeah, they're you know they're not that far um off the conversation of European football. They're what four points behind Man U, um two points behind Brighton, but that you could hear the relief in David Moyes' uh, voice yeah. after that game.
1: Yeah, I, and I think if I remember rightly, I think some of the results that they've had are stinkers to the point where you would expect them to get something from the game. Um, I think if I go back to two weeks ago, um, they they lost one 0 to Everton at home, and and you know Everton weren't doing nothing at that point, um, but they played so flat for the amount of abundance tackers that they've got, um, it didn't look great at all. I think the one thing that's a big highlight for them is that they've started to play the, bo- the, the boy Kudas from the from the start. He's so effective up front. He's got himself a couple of goals as well, European football and, and, and the Premier League now. Um, James Wood prowse got a couple of assists, but for the best part, it's probably been missing for the last six or seven weeks. Um, Jared Bowen, Guy's like five foot nine, and he's getting he's he gets he gets about the same amount of heads as Diogo Giotto at Liverpool. It's ridiculous um, how he manages to get you know um, the numbers and the returns. But I think West Ham are another one. You take Jared Bowen out of that team, and they're gonna really really struggle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, you take um, you take the boy Suchek out the middle of the park, they're gonna really struggle. Um, there's so many teams that have got a good start in 11. But when you scrape back from that eleven, that um, you start to see a few gaps, a few holes in the team that you think that could probably come back and bite them. Um, I think this was probably t- it was, t- it, was t- it was two stories really. It was West Ham finally getting themselves back on the back on the win trail, but I was more impressed with how well Nottingham Forest were away from home. That's a few times this season at Nottingham Forest have put a like that. Especially, you know, the, I think the boy in the middle of the park is really coming on to a game, arena Um, If I remember rightly, I think he was a West Ham youngster before he moved to Germany. Um, he's he's well-traveled for being such a young lad, but he seems to have found his feet alongside the the lad that they brought in. Johnny, who was the boy they brought in from PSV? Was it Sanagria? I think he was the guy that played against Rangers, didn't he? Oh, in the middle the, of the park? Yeah, they're, like, they're, nice. they're starting to kind of get a bit of a partnership going. Um, and, and they look really, really well. I was massively impressed with, with Forrest the last couple of weeks. But again, this was more about West Ham getting the three points back on the board. So, yeah, Moise was required. Moise, Moise needed that. I think there was talk as well that Moise's, uh, Moise's contract's up at the end of the season. I don't think there's been talk about whether or not... They're gonna extend it. There was there was rumours that they might offer him a job up the stairs instead. Um I don't know how I it, feel about it. It's probably that. it's probably for the best.
0: Like I, I think Moyes can get a decent job in um in that English football probably. The, yeah, I don't think he's done with football. management. No, he's not done with management, but it's just sometimes Sometimes fan bases never really click, and I mean that. I'll use it, this as a Rangers podcast. Like Alex McLeish was hounded out of Ibrox um, when he'd won seven trophies over three years, and you look back and you're like, what the fuck were we thinking? I do find West Ham will have that once they uh, have Moyes, um, the fans. But it's you know sometimes if you're just that ingrained and, and you, you you spend so long, like moaning about an issue, it's hard to be won back over. Johnny, um James Ward popping up with another couple of assists. Um we've, you know, spoke spoke very highly of him so so far this season. Um is he hard done by not main in the England squad when guys like Jordan Henderson are playing in a farmers league?
2: 100 percent He's he's getting I would class it being mugged off, would be fair. Um and I think most England fans would say the same. When you look at what's getting called up, it's not about allegiance, it's not about loyalty, it's about picking the best players that are in form for the clubs. That's what international football is supposed to be. And it's not England are the, the only ones, you know, Scotland are terrible for it as well. Um, but he absolutely should be there, and there's a few in that bracket, there's maybe two or three players that it's a head-scratcher. They do have a huge depth in midfield, they have a lot of quality, yeah, I'll say that for them. They have quality all over the park, to be fair, but especially midfield. They have like three, four players for every position. Um, So yeah, but anyway, he should be there and he should be there Robert Henderson, 100%. Um, He doesn't need to play for England anymore. He can roll about in his big bed of money. So yeah, he should be playing for England
0: I'll stick with you, Johnny, just to let Jamie uh, calm down um, from the, the seed. Um I think for the, the listeners that kinda of see in camera she's walked to the back of his living room to punch a wall. Um <laughs> you know the, the typical England fan response. Um Johnny, um Jamie's beloved Liverpool, uh, very, very comfortable do you know, win um, at Brentford? They seem to have no issues dealing way the Thursday-Sunday. Um, one of the very few teams that do. Um, Quite a, quite a few VAR calls, but Liverpool were never in any doubt in this game, were they?
2: No, just too much threat, they're just, uh They're looking really good this season. I could try and pick holes in it, but there isn't many really to find. They expect, going forward, they're dynamic, Um. I still think it's called early on in the season, and it's not—it's not a dig to annoy Jamie for that change. I do think they do still look a wee bit suspect at the back, but they're never at the weekend. credit where it's due, um, they just look good. Uh, they should be, to be honest, they should be putting more away the, the way they're going. The chances that are getting missed, there's been some absolute sitters that have been blown. So, I suppose you could say that um, Brentford maybe got off a wee bit light. But I think Brentford are a little bit like that On their side You know, they turn up They look great And then they'll go to another game And they, they, they're barely in it I think that's what we've seen at the weekend But yeah, I mean, they were just too good for them.
0: For Brentford, I kind of put them in the same bracket As Wolves. where they're going to have a meh season But the difference with Brentford They're going to excite you every second week Or every third week Whereas Wills are just going to steadily bomb me In the 10th place But Brentford are going to like, make it enjoyable along the way Jamie, um, just touching on Liverpool then, what you are doing in a bit of detail. Van Dijk back, um, obviously it goes a long way to showing up that back line. A wee start for you, a wee fact. I know you love Go your, love your, your um, statistics. Liverpool have scored in every league game since April. April was the last time they didn't scroll in the league game. Um, just to to echo Johnny's point, I still think they should be scoring more, but that just shows you the level of firepower that they have.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's mad because you you think of you go back to the beginning a lot last seasons the start of last season, and you know Sadio Mane's moved on, you've now got Roberto Firmino moved on, and and the question was always going to be about well where the goals going to come from, um, and, and Liverpool have pretty much answered that. cops answered that with bucketfuls. Um, Salah obviously gets all the headlines because he's the main man and you know he gets his 10th goal, he scored 200 goals in, in English football now. Um, you know, he, he he joins a lucrative list, but people like Diogo Jota still pop up with goals. Darwin Nunes gets in, Cody Gakpo gets a chance when he comes on. It's um, firepower is not not Liverpool's issue at all, and you know, I think what I'm more I think I, I'm more happy at that. I think match that they picked up on it. They're starting to call it the partnership. They're starting to Bruno between people like Darwin, Nunez um, and Salah because Darwin, for all of his best intentions, he's either 100 miles an hour or he's 100 miles an hour the opposite way. Um, there's no equilibrium in the middle with him. But the last six games or so, he started to really find his feet. You know, the link up plays there. He's getting on the end, but he's also playing people in. So um I think I think that's his sixth assist. He's got four goals in the league so far, and that's his sixth assist. And all six have been for Salah. And Salah's on his tenth goal. You take those two alone. That outscores, you know, a majority of about eighty percent of the Premier League's strikers. That's before you add in Corey Gakpo, Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota. Um, so the strike force for me was never going to be the issue. Um, this season was always about the midfield rebuild. And what I liked about this the, the midfield at the weekend was that. Um, we were able to, you know, Ryan Gravenbach Gravenbach has been really well since he started. Um, hasn't he's been injured the last two weeks? He's he's not been not that he's not been missed, but we we've, we've coped without him. Um, I still think there's a question marks over Wataru Endo. He, he I think there was a start kicking about the, the first half that he lost six out of six duels. But he was still there, 70 minutes in. He was still running about, um, getting about and breaking up play. There was that obvious contentious challenge that some people were thinking that should have been a red card. I personally don't think it was a red card. Um, I'm not with the blinkered lights on. I think it was just a challenge that the ball obviously st- made his, his foot was open. It wasn't studs up. I think the impact looked worse than what it was. But I don't think it was a red card. He could have easily got a yellow card for it. Um, so I don't know what all the the hype was from um, the Brentford manager after the game, because I don't think it was anywhere near some of the ones that we've seen over recent weeks. But it's just things are starting to click now. Um, You know, things are starting to get really well in terms of partnerships are back, Van Dyke's back, Trent's even. I mean, this time last season, Trent was getting absolutely annihilated. He was getting absolutely annihilated, whether it was at right back or moving into midfield. Nobody's talking about those kind of things anymore because we're outscoring teams. Whereas last season, the challenge was it was finishing one each or we were losing one nil. This season, we go one behind, we win 3-1. That's the story of the season so far. There's a you know, 3-1 scoreline for us. And I think that's not masking it, but I think that's the way the team will play going forward. I think we're still in midfield late and there's a potential for a central defender uh, late. Um... You know, going to the the January window, come the end of the season, but for the best part, I think this, this this team's this team's not even started firing properly yet. Yep, that's um
0: you know just kind of what Johnny was saying there as well about being able to get got at. And to, to your point, Jamie, we've they have tried a few different players in that number eight position. Um, You know, we've seen McAllister there, Trent there. Now, Curtis Jones. <laughs> Curtis Jones. I yeah. am ah, yeah. surprised Diri Hemans not had a fucking phone call. <laughs> um, that should be the priority in January, but that, that's probably the one position that isn't nailed on
1: for a guarantee. Um, I think the big difference is now is if you go to the beginning of the season, there was a lot of discomfort about how many midfielders we had, and there was pretty much became a bit of a fire sale. Well, you know, we got rejected for. Casado, um, um, you know, and Tuchimani were, were apparently inquired about. There was a bit of a fire sale that we needed to bring in, you know, players and add depth to it. That's done and dusted now. I think if we're going to go and buy somebody, it's going to be the right person, and I think Klopp will be prepared to wait until the end of the season if if, is that, if that's what it's going to take. I'd be just interested to see what who he's actually looking at because I don't think it'll be a big ticket name. I think it'll be, you know. um a workhorse kind of player, um, somebody that gives you seven, eight out of ten every week, as opposed to an absolute superstar.
2: Maybe the move for um, Calvin Phillips could be on. I know that one's been
1: touted about. I, I, just something tells me that do City sell to Liverpool? I don't know. You know, if, if we're talking Liverpool and Arsenal potential title contenders for City this season, I don't think City would welcome, you know, that 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 kind of a move. Um, to, Sorry. To
0: not think I think City are arrogant enough to know things should
2: mm-hmm. be an issue. Yeah. I said the same last week. I thought that would happen if if they wanted it. Um, I also think the wall, you know, that not selling to rivals, especially in the Premier League recently, seems to have dissipated a wee bit. i um, seeing a lot of players go for club to club within the top half of the league.
1: Well, Kane being a perfect example, <laughs> you know. 80 million for everybody, but if you're Man United, that's 120 million. <laughs> you know, but I, I, don't know. I, I personally don't think the Kelvin Phillips deal will happen. Um, I think Liverpool, but I think Liverpool fans would be open to that because he's obviously got a bit of a future ahead of him. I think he's 25, 26, so he's got plenty of time left in him. Um I just don't know whether Klopp will be looking at somebody who's more of a runner-round. Maybe he might be even looking at a younger player. There's a couple of players that we were looking at at the beginning of the season. Um, Taram's boy, Kepham Taram, over in Nice. He was one of the names. The young lad that played for Fluminese a couple of weeks ago, the, the young 20-year-old Andre. Um, excuse me. He's apparently a massive talent. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do bring somebody in, but I don't think it'll be, as I said, it won't be no Champions League winner that's looking for a new challenge or anything.
0: So moving to the dog pit of the week, um and well you know what well over a quarter of the way through and we are starting to see the the gaps appear um in the, in between the trenches. Um we've got Burnley and four points and then in uh the bottom of the league and then seventeenth as uh, is Bournemouth and nine points. Only five points separating the four teams. Um the results at the weekend kinda mixed bag Yeah, um, also we've already spoken about um Matt Warton getting beaten narrowly off uh, man my new one um Arsenal scrutiny Burnley 3 1 Brighton uh, dropped a point to two points to Sheffield United. Um and Bournemouth actually got three points for Newcastle. So Johnny, um Sheffield United been looking the worst of the lot up until this weekend and they move a point ahead of Burnley. Um I suppose that the question that I asked Both is do you see Anybody getting the sack in this international break? Um, I think for Burnley or Sheffield United, or even Watton, if you're going, if you're going to do it this this side of February, then now's a good time to do it.
2: I think it comes down to the the, the loyalty they have towards a manager for getting them up there in the first place. Sometimes that buys them a little bit more time. If that would be an exist an existing Premier League team where Burnley are right now, then you would probably tout in that name. Uh, but because of where they're coming for it, I think because he's done so well to bring them there and do it so convincingly I think it would be really harsh uh, they're the most disappointing for me to be honest with you. I expected a hell of a lot more for them. Um I didn't expect them to set the legal light or nothing like that but I did expect them to be a lot more solid and organised and so far we've seen none of that um, Sheffield have looked a wee bit better but still I mean listen, the league doesn't lie and um, and as you see, it's still early. It's only the first quarter, but I mean, four points, five points, six points. I mean, that's bargain. That's 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 bad. I actually um, think Johnny
0: that, even though they've only got one point in the last two games, I actually thought they looked pretty decent against Liverpool and Manu.
2: I would agree. I thought they look. I wrote that one down. Actually, I thought they looked a lot more solid, a bit more uh, a unit. They were quite tough to break down at the weekend there. Um, and they've been like that a couple of times. They seem to be, I suppose, the Premier League is an incredibly fast learning curve. You know, it's a high bar. You need to be on the ball. Um, and if you don't learn fast, you just, you're going straight back down. I think Luton is the only one that have shown signs that they're actually picking something up for the games that they're losing. And they have looked that wee a bit better. Um, but I mean, it's a long season. There's a long way to go. And I have a really hard time seeing Luton and Sheffield getting
0: out of that bottom three. What well, about yourself, Jamie? Uh, you, you're in agreement with Johnny that everybody will probably still be in their job from um, the 25th of November?
1: I think first off, I think the bottom three is is, is the bottom three going down nah. from the end of the season. I don't, you know, you're looking at, I mean, sitting on four points and, and, you know, people we had tip for relegation fight this season were Wolves. Everton Bournemouth Bournemouth are on 9 points Everton are 14 Wolves are 15 Bunley haven't had a win all season they, they, they need to win put 3 or 4 wins together just to even contend um, so I think the bottom 3 as a stand are going I don't see the Luton manager going. I kind of what Johnny said. They, they, there's a lot of loyalty that he's stuck with them and he's seen them through the divisions. Um, and you know, there's obviously a plan there with with them. For Luton, it was always about coming up and getting the parachute payments. I don't care what anybody says, it was always about adding the bank balance because with those parachute payments, it fixes the stadium, it fixes the ground, it adds a bit of poppy, as Johnny would put it, to the future season's transfer budget. That was always about the parachute. Anything more than that you would say, is massively overachieving. Sheffield United and Burnley were slightly different because they've got experience, but they know what the yo-yo of the Premier League is like. Sheffield United were always onto a bum because of the the financial fair play issues that they have and the the potential selling of the club. You know, to lose some of your best players two weeks before the window even shut just made no sense. So it was always going to be a hard task for them. Um, They've obviously got the manager in charge at the moment. Realistically, if they were to punt him now, who comes in? Who, who offers them something different with the squad that they have? I just find it very, very hard. Even as Sam Allardyce couldn't have pulled this off, you know, in terms of a, a rescue job. Um, and Burnley, Burnley's slightly different again because it's the, it's the project, isn't it? Vincent Company's always about the project. Um, and I think uh, it might have been Graham that called it at the beginning of the season that his first season with Anderlecht was fucking tremendous, but then he dropped off a cliff. We're not seeing the same, but you cannot make arguments that we're starting to see that same kind of trajectory. His first season, Burnley broke so many records, obviously had a plan, but not executing it in, in the Premier League. And I think the difference with Burnley is that I think they've been open that they don't want to change how they play. They want to stick to what's true to them, but that's what's getting them beat. <laughs> you know, that's what's getting them beat. Um I, I think Sheffield United and Burnley are going to have a few six pointers come in the next few or four weeks. Um, I think the rating could be on the wall come by Christmas for them. Do they? Do they? I don't think anybody gets loses the job this window. Uh, sorry, this international break. Unless there's some standout candidate that's been touted about, which I don't see. Um, if anything, I thought the Bournemouth Gaffer was probably the first one to go. But then he goes and pulls a win out against Newcastle United <laughs> and gets himself, you know, a better breathing room. So I, I just don't see it. I, I think all three of them stay um, and we'll see what happens come the end of the, you know, at the turn of the year.
0: That, that was my next point, And, John, I'll get your thoughts on this. Bournemouth, Firth, if it was any other standard Premier League season and the bottom three weren't so poor, we'd be with talking about Bournemouth. Um is going down either in eighteenth or nineteenth place, maybe not the worst in the league, but I think they're just benefiting that there's three worse in them. Um I they 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 beat Newcastle uh the we weekend, taking nothing away from them. But I think where in Sheffield and Burnley, there's been games where you know there's maybe been beaten by the fine margins consistently. Bournemouth look a bit more sporadic sometimes, they drop off a cliff and then come back. I think they're a bit more unpredictable. So, I, I don't know if they're quite out there the frying pan yet.
2: No, that, no, they ain't. I would put them in the same bracket as all three. Jamie said we're going down. I don't know if it's going to be that simple. Um, I mean, we're only talking one game, and like you said at the weekend, it was a big one, it was a big three points. Uh, but They they don't have consistency, um, and they were playing an incredibly fat, fat sorry Newcastle flat (laughs) Newcastle. No, no, you meant
1: that. You meant that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, they were they were flat. I mean, they they were miles off it, and it was a very weak squad. Um, So yeah, there's no way I would put them out of that equation, and I think O'Neill probably still. I mean, he's not a fan favourite. One one doesn't make that change. so I think he's, does he go that fast? No, I don't think so. But I mean, if, like you said, if the form drops back up a cliff, I don't think it'll take them that, that long to reconsider.
1: I think Bournemouth play Sheffield United next, don't they? So, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would expect, if if they win that, then your, your gap's even bigger. So I, I think it's, Colin, you said it there at the beginning. We've said the same thing. When we were talking about our predictions, some of us were predicting us, Everton to be in the mix, some of us were predicting Wolves. But we all said there's probably three worst teams. And I think we're going to say that all season. Is that actually how how poor these three teams are in picking up points? But I
0: think with Burnley and Luton, at least maybe Sheffield United, still got a bit of work to do, but particularly Burnley. You can see their style of football, you can see what they're trying to do and I think it's got a chance of when it clicks, it will click and they've not got to go on a a 10-game winning run but they'll start picking up points. Well,
1: they've just lost the star striker, haven't they? The boy Lyle with mental health illnesses, that's what I'm saying. It's like there just doesn't seem to be anything good to say about Burnley about, well, at least they're doing this, I, I can see this happening. I think with Bournemouth, for example, they're still scoring goals. If it's not Solanke, it's Semenu. If it's not Semenu, Justin Clive, it's getting into the back back post. I just don't see that with Burnley at the moment. I really don't. Mm-hmm.
0: So, on to the last game then. Um, Jamie, I'll start with you. Um, oh, a good three points for Evan. Another, another, another oh, interesting game. We um, one, <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, round the episode off nicely. So...
1: Um, Okay. Do you know what? Give them credit where it's due. They've actually taken some really good points this season. Um, Two weeks ago, they took three points away at West Ham. They took a point off a high-flying Brighton. I say high-flying. I mean they were scoring loads of goals, and they kept them down to a one each. They, they went away to Palace for the best part of Palace. They've got a great defensive record this season, and, and they shipped three goals. So I think hats off. Everton are doing really well this season. Um, I think they're roadie on 14 points. Was it fifty or fourteen points? Um, they've won three of the last six. You know, we we always associate with Everton of um picking up points at home, but actually they've probably started getting points away from home. And I think it's all down to um two things. One, Dominic Calvert Lewin's playing out consistently up front, but I also think the lad Jack Harrison's finding for He's he, you know, we I think he joined them on loan. Um he scored a couple of goals. He's got a couple of assists already. He he definitely makes that forward line tick. Um, and you can see they got lucky with the who was the lad who got the deflection? Was it Dukuri? And and then this guy scored the winner. So so it's not just all down to Dominic Calvillo and they get goals across the park. Um, but I think Jack Harrison's made a massive difference to them. He's a serious upgrade. I think this time last season it was uh, was that Andrus Townsend that was playing there. Um, so you know Jack Harrison's obviously offering them something different. So, dice Bowl is in full effect, you would love to see Colin.
0: <laughs> Johnny, on, um, Crystal Palace are very up and down, seven points at the last six games. They're just above Everton. Uh, so, Crystal Palace on 15, Everton and 14. Um, I kind of. Again, I don't want to be too dismissive But every year you do get these teams That are between 9th and 13th That don't really have any play for I think we are starting to see these teams Starting to form um, And I think Crystal Palace are way in there uh, I mean, yeah yeah,
2: They are a bit hit and a miss uh, They do pick up some good points But they do take uh, the share of losses too I thought they were okay at the weekend, but at least for a portion of the game, they were decent. Um, they do rely a hell of a lot on Easy and uh, Elise. I know Elise is just returning for injury and Easy is just back um, as in back fit. So They are relying heavily on them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think mid-table would be probably another shout for Crystal Palace. I don't think they have a, a huge squad, certainly don't have a lot of depth. They they do pull out the odd, you know, shock result would be fair. I mean, they went and beat Man United not long ago. at uh, Man United.
0: Uh, and that's my issue for every result like that. They've got a result like guess against Everton where they by the way, they probably should be looking to win. Yeah,
2: well, Newcastle, I think, put four past them. Um, but, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's just where they are as a club. And, I mean, there's a good chance that you're going to see easy and at least move on. At least nearly went the close season there. If they did go, I think they'd be in serious trouble because that's that's their goals, basically. Or their feeder to goals. So I think that would cause them a lot of problems. If they can hold on to them in January, then I would say mid-table is probably fair. But if they don't, then yeah, they could easily slip down the way.
1: I think he wow. signed a new contract two weeks ago, didn't he? So you did, did he? you'd expect that. Yeah, so I think it was a new five year contract, which you would expect has probably got a top line in it in terms of, you know, if a club meters evaluation. I think there's talks at least he's going to sign a new contract. So, because um, there was that talk, wasn't there, that there was a 35 million closing in the contract, which I don't know whether it was that true. Um, I think it was
2: Chelsea, wasn't it? it was
1: maybe yeah, I think Chelsea were just throwing money at everybody, weren't they, at that point? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> Well,
0: you never know. Um, maybe Chelsea will spend a hundred million on them. Um, it would be the most Chelsea thing to do. But I think that's um, one for another podcast. Um, mm. That's uh, that's a just got to ever marching. So I think we'll call it up there. Um, we may or may not be back uh, next week, depending on the international break if there's any Tottenham points. But we will definitely speak to you again next time. Um, as always, Colin, thank you, everybody. Colin, do you want
1: me? Do you want me to leave you with a start? I know oh, you love a start. Yes, please. This time last season six managers has already had the bullet how many's had it this season zero, zero. Wow. welcome to the Premier League <laughs> <laughs> everybody says there's no jobs gone that's um, <laughs> you hear real it
2: didn't, it, that. it didn't tell you that four of them were just Chelsea
1: alone <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, that's <laughs> a point by the way that. Aye. <laughs> you, go, you look at the next round of fixes Rob Colin the early game I'm dreading it is City Liverpool half 12 um, as the Saturday morning kickoff, um, and then on the Super Sunday, you've got Spurs Villa and then Everton Manu so a bit of a humdinger on the Sunday.
2: Uh, I love a full chop there, I know a lunchtime slot, I think that's criminal. That I really do,
1: yeah, that's and, and, that, and that obviously Klopp gets a lot of stick for having that rant, and I think what was no, he's right. right? There was a start, wasn't there? there? Was like 14 games. Liverpool have played a half 12 kickoff after a European kickoff, after a European game. Sorry, the next closest team is on six. And yeah, it's six. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's nearly three times as the highest. It's ridiculous. So it's an absolute chase.
0: Uh, there's it's two fun. ways about it when it's in there like black and white and people can say oh it's tinfoil hat stuff but it yeah. only goes so far when you don't have the sats to back it up um, but The, the, do, the he- problem
1: the problem is it's not the time slot the problem is is that we've got people coming back from South America that don't get back until the, mid, the middle of Friday because of the way that their games play they don't fall in the same categories the UEFA ones so the, the, the South Americans are getting back to Liverpool shall we say the Friday afternoon they're playing against Sunday they're playing on Saturday morning so you know, ideally you wouldn't want it, but
0: I'm going to, to take paint. your I'm prima donna players and trump you with the fans because that's what really matters. Fans having to travel up and down the country more often than anybody else, it should be a fair basis.
1: You, you, you don't need to come back to this. <laughs> <laughs> bring back Mason, he was always all right.
0: Well, on that note, all
1: that's left to do is thank
0: you to our well, two guests this evening. Uh Johnny, always a pleasure, mate.
2: Thank you, mate. Pleasure to be on, as always.
0: Yep. And making that our Liverpool
1: podcast as always, Jamie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as ever, thanks
1: very much for having me back on, guys. Yeah,
0: and thank you all for listening. Take care.